Hello everyone, this is Saqib and Ahmed uh, welcoming you to another episode of Cricket with an Accent. Uh, the guest today doesn't really need an introduction, actually, you know, uh, it's an honor to be speaking to him. We are punching really above our weight here with the, the one and only Prem Panikar. Welcome aboard. Uh, hi, Saqib. Hi, uh, hello, Ahmed. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hi, this is Ahmed here and uh, thanks, uh, uh, Saqib, for hosting this and for Prem for joining us. Hey, I mean, no better day than actually in America, you know, we still, it's the 11th, it's still Rahul Dravid's birthday, so it's, you know, let's make it all about test cricket. Uh, so let's get into the action right away. Uh, you know, uh, team composition especially is a big discussion always in post-mortem or hindsight, especially, you know, your team, when the team has lost and there were some decisions that, you know, are quite unpopular, but are being popularly discussed all over social media. So Prem, uh, how do you look back at the first test and uh, what are your takeaways as far as team composition goes uh, as we head into Centurion? Well, I think the problem with the short uh, test tours is that uh, there's a whole lot of premium attached to picking the right team the first time around because um, if you you get your personnel wrong and then uh, something goes wrong and you lose the test match, you can't really chop and change all over. It it, it unsettles uh, everything you... uh, Ideally, you want to start the tour on a winning note. Even if you can't, you at least want to start it to settle down. Now, if you pick the wrong team first go, uh, now you're suddenly talking about, is this the right personnel? Is this uh, is this the opening combination we should go with? What does the middle order look like? Should we make changes in the middle order and stuff like that? So what you're saying is that you're going into the second test equally unsettled. Uh, I think I think a lot of India's problems started with that uh, choices in the first test. Uh, nothing against, say, uh, players like uh, Bumrah, for instance, who uh, is a young, developing bowler. But uh, you needed that bit of experience going in um, with the ball and. For you to now uh, turn around and say, "Hey, uh, Bumrah is a fast learner. Look how." Uh, how his lengths were off in the first innings, but he learned in the second innings. Yeah, well, you lost the match. And it's not just Bumrah, right? I mean, uh, Shikhar Dhawan's uh, problems against the ball lifting into his ribcage and his, and his uh, upper chest is it is statistically provable. And uh, you still go with him anyways, even though you had Rahul fit and uh, on form a far better uh, player of, uh, of, of pace bowling in those kind of conditions. Uh, you had Ajinkya Rahane, who was pretty much the uh, best batsman you have when you go traveling. But you pick uh, Rohit Sharma, uh, supposedly on form. Uh, what form are you talking about? You're talking about form and Indian conditions in one-day cricket. What's that got to do with test cricket? Nobody knows. But you do that anyways. It, it was a series of errors uh, down the line. And uh, now you're suddenly trying to play catch-up at, at a time when you should have you should have settled into these conditions. It's it's hard enough to tour when you don't have sufficient match practice uh, in foreign conditions. Um, on top of that, I think I think that, that first test match uh, team was always going to put us behind the eight ball. In fact, uh, in a preview of that uh, test match, I'd, I'd uh, written on my blog... Uh, the team I picked is the same team that I would pick uh, uh, today if I had to pick for the first test or or even uh, looking ahead to the second test with possibly one exception. I had uh, Ravichandra Nashwin in uh, 
uh, my team for the first test. For Centurion, I would probably take him out and put in uh, Ravi Jadeja, but otherwise the personnel remains unchanged. I would, have- uh, I would like to ask you a question here because this is something we've thought about and talked about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned thinking about a team and going into the first test with some kind of a team that you would probably use for the entire series. Sure. I think that's a great point you make. Do you think teams are spending enough time preparing themselves, whether it is the conditions, whether it is the resources, whether it is trying to figure out who would do well or match practice for that matter, uh, when they tour? Uh, I was impressed by Australia going to Dubai for two weeks before they came to India. Does any team have that intent and ability to do something like that? And why is any team lacking it in this day and age? Uh, well, uh, coincidentally, while I was waiting for you guys to sign on, I was just browsing uh, Crick and Four, and the first thing that caught my eye is uh, there's a piece by Mark Nicholas. Uh, I haven't had the time to read it yet, but uh, I read the first couple of paragraphs and, and the premise, and it is that England made a mistake by not playing enough uh, tour games, by not practicing enough ahead of the test matches, and even practicing in between test matches. Uh, because, you know, you go into the first test, you, you, you find that you have certain problems. You want to try it out in a tour game before you, uh, you want to try out your options in a tour game before you get into the second or the third test match of a long series, whatever. That's how test match, uh, schedules used to be at one point. But now one of the issues that has come up and, and this applies to most teams. You mentioned Australia. Uh, Australia doesn't have uh, quite as much of financial uh, of, of a financial stake as say India has. To give you an example, uh, Star TV paid a humongous sum for the test rights from uh, for for the uh, telecast rights from 2012 to 2018 March. Uh, so if you think of that deadline, March 2018 is when it gets cut off. Which meant that for Star TV, if you're paying that kind of money, you want a lot of programming. The programming has to be domestic. That is to say, uh, test matches and one dayers and stuff like that played in India. Uh, November, December was pretty much the last open window they had before their uh, contract expires and it comes up for renewal. Uh, so yeah, for, for, for the, from the point of view of the, uh, telecast authorities and also from the point of view of the BCCI, it made more sense to schedule a nothing test series against, uh, uh, test one day's ODI series against Sri Lanka than actually to send the team, uh, early to South Africa. Ironically, uh, the BCCI did offer, uh, a lot of the senior players the option of going to South Africa early, uh, to acclimatize. But what happens is when you have an international match being played and you opt to sit out, you're never sure if you can make make, make your way back into the team. So now there is that pressure on the players. So they didn't take up the offer for obvious reasons. And uh, yeah, I, I, I believe that if you're, if you're going to play test matches, you really need to prep. Look, it's not just it's not just the nature of the wickets, right? I mean, people talk about having to bowl different lengths in South Africa. That's one thing. But you start from the beginning. Even the quality of light in South Africa is different. One of the things you probably have noticed over the years is that when uh, visiting teams are in South Africa and they're they're taking these high catches, there's a whole large percentage of drops. That is because the air is cleaner. Uh, the, the, uh, The parallax thing kicks in and you tend to to sort of misread 
the speed of the ball dropping, the the uh, the parabola, the arc of the ball coming to you and stuff like that. These are little things, but they all want to make a difference. And uh, I don't know that in the last 10 years we've ever had a series where we've really prepped. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to uh, end up in, in, you know, lopsided results. Okay, so uh, Prem, let's stick with the... Uh... Still, uh, team composition and selection, and you said in a short tour, you know, the dilemma is you don't want to do too much changing mm-hmm. up. Uh, Virat Kohli has known uh, to, he's not afraid to mix things up since the day he took over, you know, first time as captain in Australia when Dhoni was still in charge, and he brought in Karan Sharma, and this match he brought Hardik Pandya, and Hardik Pandya now in hindsight is a master stroke. Uh, and I'm not a believer in Rohit Sharma in test cricket, but I thought Rohit Sharma somewhat earned his spot. But India should have played six batsmen. But now that theory is done and dusted with. So, if Sh- uh, if Pandya is playing, do you see Rahane coming in for Ashwin? Is that something, uh, a move that, you know, is worth trying or you don't want to do too much changing up now? Uh, no, a couple of things about this is going to be that, uh, you know, you really want five uh uh, five regular bowlers. You're not going to be able to bowl with four. Look at the, uh, for instance... Uh, look at the, the the Indian second innings. It didn't last very long. But if you were watching, one of the things that you would have probably noticed is South Africa was a four-man base attack. And you saw how, for instance, Monty Mokal at one point and uh, again, uh, Philander towards the end of a spell. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's brilliant that though he was as tired as he looked, he still managed to produce that over where he took out the last three wickets. But the fact is that he was looking incredibly tired. You really, really need five bowlers. So uh, I don't think that I would bring in uh, Rahane in place of Ravichandran Ashwin and reduce the bowling attack to four. Uh, I would still stick with the five batsmen, one all-rounder and uh, four bowlers theory. Uh, uh, four, Yeah, four regular bowlers theory. So... In my team, I'll probably have, even for the first test, I would probably have Vijay, Rahul, Pujara, Kohli, Rahane. Um, you're taking a punt on Pandya, so yeah, fine. You can't uh, chop and change him after one test match. So Pandya uh, below Rahane, followed by uh, probably Ravi Jadeja more than uh, Ravichandra Nashwan, followed by Saha, Bhuvi, Umesh and Dishan. Interesting. So, Ishant is someone, you know, we've talked about, I think, in many forums that, you know, his ability to control and Bumrah did bleed some runs, even though, you know, they he made it up in the second innings. And a lot of people are saying that could be the difference. So, there are a of things so, about this. One is, I mean, uh, earlier you made the point about, you know, Pandya proved to be a brilliant masterstroke. Not really. Uh, the jury, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, is still out on that. I think Pandya will have to settle into playing Test match cricket. I'm not saying that he should rein in his attacking instincts, but he still needs to settle in. One of the things that is uh, forgotten in hindsight is that in the first innings, Pandya, uh, in the first few uh, overs that he played, was consistently pushing hard outside the off-stump. Uh, he was dropped by Dean Elgar in the gully, playing that shot when he was, I think, 15. Uh, in the second inning, he was yes. caught exactly in that same position, playing exactly the same shot, except that it was De Villiers who was then fielding in gully, and De Villiers made a catch out of it. So, you know, we, we look at the outcome and then say, oh, that was that was a brilliant masterstroke. Not necessarily. 
so there is there is that part of it and uh, yeah i'm i'm the only reason i would still have pandya in the uh, side uh for the second test is that you have taken a punt with him he's he's had the confidence of uh you know going out there and and uh, counter attacking and you probably need that for a team like this where your uh, the chances are that uh, in the second half of the order you need someone to take the fight to uh, south africa another thing to keep in mind is that if things go on normally uh somebody like a pandya will probably come in or ideally you want him coming in after about 50 overs have been bowled at least and by then the kookaburra ball tends to get very soft it it uh, it begins to soften pretty much after about 25 uh, somewhere between the 25 30 over mark it's become soft it's lost its seam uh, conditions are better for batting and maybe the punt will come off but you can't be uh punting in in you know five different positions and uh, that's what that's what happened in the first test almost everything was a gamble uh so yeah rohit i'm not convinced uh he will probably have one good innings here and there but he's not a test batsman in that sense uh he 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 is forced to play a, a non rohit kind of uh, game and you saw what happened uh, when he does that in both the innings so again coming back to the bowling attack mm-hmm. uh you said they need five bowlers uh and you know uh, fatigue is a factor especially if you're going to 80 90 100 overs right um do you think there is a leader of the indian attack or is is there is there a leader that is missing we yeah. used to say that ishant is shaping up as a leader he did well in australia in patchy but he did well in parts as a leader uh, do you think shami is leading the attack bhuvi is leading the attack or do you think they're lacking a leader Uh, I mean that's an interesting question because uh, Indian uh, fast bowling unit whenever it has gone abroad or in fact even when it's played at home it's always had a natural leader and you need that uh, can Bhuvi lead he was playing his first test match can Shami lead he was still trying to figure out his lengths look one of the things about Shami I have a lot of views for him but uh, one of the things about Shami is that thanks to his uh, lack of inches he is more of a skiddy kind of uh, bowler who who uh, whose trajectories are much flatter than the taller umesh and ishant uh, what then happens is that he's he's an awesome option to have in conditions where the ball abrades you get uh, you get swing seam reverse all of that but south african pitches by and large and you're going to find this even more in centurion uh, are more about bounce uh you get great lift off length which makes it very difficult for batsmen who are particularly accustomed to playing with their hands below the waist uh shami is not that kind of bowler so if you are personally struggling for the right lengths and lines and and uh, particularly lengths it's very hard for you to lead the attack uh, again i keep going back to that australia series if you if you notice what is happening on the field uh the indians always had either ishant or umesh standing at either mid off or mid on and talking uh, each of the bowlers through every single ball you know they they they'd walk back to the top of the bowling mark together uh you need that you need you need someone who knows uh the thing to to, to point out for instance when ishant was bowling umesh was talking him through it you would think that ishant has the experience but the thing is in the heat of the moment 
uh, you're you're concentrating on 20 different things and you need somebody to just calm you down and say listen i mean that length it was a little bit off maybe a little bit fuller etc etc uh, keep you focused on the job we don't have that simply because our bowling lineup is inexperienced i mean look at the pace bowlers we had we had shami who for reasons i pointed out uh, was struggling for his own uh, form. You had uh, Bumra, who was just playing his first test match and, and has absolutely no clue what was required of him. You have Hardik Pandya. Uh, the only natural leader you had was Bhuvneshwar Kumar. But, uh, you know, Bhuvi can't be uh, bowling long spells and at the same time uh, fielding in those kind of positions and talking his, uh, his colleagues through it. He did at times. Uh, I remember a couple of times in the first innings when he was going up to uh, Bumra and and trying to get him to get the length further up. But you can't do that all the time. So, yeah, you need experience, particularly when you're traveling abroad and, and you're playing against this kind of opposition. And uh, we just said uh, the hell with experience and picked a couple of young boys on a, on a big punt. Uh, or, or we need like a legendary Imran Khan who would stand at mid-off and tell Bakar and Vaseem to bowl, you know. What the next ball should be. I was just reading uh, Sanjay Mandrekar's uh, autobiography and there was this uh, interesting uh, anecdote that he mentions about Imran where he said there was this young bowler who was at the top of his mark and who didn't run into ball. So Imran uh, turned to him and said, why the hell are you not bowling? And, and this bowler said, hey, tell me what. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's an extreme case. Uh, you don't really need that, but you just need that that little thing of you know talking to a peer, uh, or, or just knowing that there is somebody around who's got your back, who's noticing things while you are caught up in in the mechanics of of running in and getting the ball right and stuff like that, and and uh, that that was clearly one of the things that was lacking when we uh, bowled. If you notice, the bowlers operated pretty much in isolation. Nobody was talking to them. Uh, and sticking with this uh, Imran comparison, I know you know back in the day we all followed cricket uh, when Imran was having his heyday and he was a, a leader. Uh, in a league of his own and a lot of time he went against conventional, you know, cricket selections and, you know, protocols and back players and, you know, those that stuff is legendary. Uh, sometimes, I, I'm personally very hard on Virat Kohli because I sometimes don't have a connect the way he's leading this team. It's like a regime change, you know, he's trying to do his thing. India at home is doing well. But are we being too hard on him sometimes because uh, he's talking about this positive intent and a lot of times I think he's missing the point. How do you see that all that intent talk and changing a play in a session. Are these cliches that have just uh, trans, uh, you know, carried over from the shorter version of the game or they really have a place in the game or how do you see all that? Well, and for a disclaimer, Prem, uh, one minute, let me chime in here for a disclaimer. Uh, at least I am a big fan of teams grinding out a draw, teams grinding out a win, teams really fighting hard to save a session. We have, I am a big fan of that, and I know Sakib and I have talked a lot about it. And that may be the background with which we are coming to this. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, by way of disclaimer, it is not about being hard on Kohli. Uh, I think that uh, he has created an attitudinal reset in the team, and uh, that is brilliant. Uh, if you look at his predecessor, for instance, uh, MS in tests particularly was the kind of uh, non-reactive. He was he was constantly uh, a couple of steps behind the game more often than not. There are one or two examples, uh, contrary examples, but most of the time he was like, let's just hang back, let something happen, 
kind of a captain. Uh, Virat is like, we need to make things happen. And that attitude is fine. Uh, so the hard on Kohli bit, I don't quite uh, buy into. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm aware of his strengths. At the same time, there are some puzzling uh, factors. For instance, uh, in Test cricket particularly, you need to sort of grow into a role. And uh, if you look at the top teams that there have been historically, uh, you can go all the way back to uh, Imran's Pakistan or uh, uh, Lloyd's West Indies. You could go to Steve Wars Australia. Uh, look at the uh, look at the teams that have done very well over extended periods of time in all kinds of conditions. One of the things you notice is that they are relatively stable in terms of personnel. Uh, this in turn means that each person knows what his role in the team is, and and uh, at any given point, he has the uh, he has the backing to to refashion his role. Uh, I was I was reading a statistic that was fairly startling. I think it came on scroll yesterday. Uh, Kohli is now led in 33 test matches and he's never led the same team out twice. That to me is a bit of a bother. Uh, it's one thing to say we'll pick horses for courses. Uh, it's quite another to say that I'm going to change my team every single time. Uh, it, it, it creates a sense of uncertainty. I don't quite know what is expected of me at at any given point in time. Uh, why is it that I'm not suited for this particular course? Uh, Shakib also you made the point about uh, you know playing with intent and stuff like that. And and yeah, you're right. Increasingly, I think we tend to fetishize some of this uh, new age jargon that's flying around. We should concentrate on our processes. Uh, we should play with intent. Think about it for a moment. What does intent mean in Test cricket? Take take Newlands for instance and the Indian first innings. Uh, a wicket falls early, Pujara comes in, what should be his intent? He's facing probably the best uh, fast bowling quartet that has been assembled, at least in the last decade. Uh, the ball is hard, it's new, the conditions are dicey for batting. His intent should be to try and basically ensure that there is no subsequent breakthrough. Uh, he, his intent initially should be to try and tire out. That's that's one of the things that is not appreciated enough about test cricket. Uh, we talk about playing session by session. It's not even session by session. The player can change within a session. To give you an example, suppose uh, Pujara comes in and and uh, let's say Rabada is bowling his first over. Uh, he is fresh. He is fast. He has conditions that suit him. He has a hard ball with him. Pujara's intent, I would imagine, as a test batsman would be to tire him out a little bit. Uh, wait for him to get into his third over, fourth over. Don't don't let him uh, don't don't let him inflict too much damage too early. And as he tires, you you promptly change your game and and start uh, knocking off uh, runs against him. Those are things that it's it's all intent. So intent is not just you know I have to start scoring from ball one. Uh, that's that's good intent in a one-day game. It's not the same thing in a test match. You have to be match aware. You have to be situation aware. You have to be context aware at any given point in time. And these contexts and situations keep changing. Again, that is one of the things about test cricket that, you know, unlike the shorter forms of the game or unlike pretty much any other game, the ground conditions, the atmospheric conditions, all of these play apart from from passage to passage, from one hour to the next, it can change. And you have to keep changing your game uh, accordingly. So playing with intent, I'm not quite sure what it means. It's one thing to play one way when you are, say, 
one down for very little. It's another thing to uh, it, you play another way when you are say two hundred for the loss of two wickets. So intent we're talking about here. Would would you agree that you know you you mentioned different games also, but would you agree that Test cricket is unique in any sport because there's so much strategy and so much changes through the course of a contest, and that makes it special. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I have a lot of time for Test cricket. I love the format. That's probably the cricket tragic in me speaking. Also, uh, the fact that when you know I was growing up and and uh, following uh, cricket and and uh, playing cricket at a much smaller level, uh, Test cricket was pretty much the only thing around. So I grew up on that sport and I understand it and 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 I love it. Uh, and yes, uh, Test cricket it, it's, it's strategy, it's tactics, and it's constant evolution. I mean. Uh, like I pointed out, there's a difference between how you play a kookaburra ball in the first 20 overs and how you play after the 20 overs. The the seam, uh, unlike the Duke's ball, for instance, one of the things that happens is that the seam actually goes in and it gets flush with the leather. Uh, the ball softens on both sides. You know how you can actually uh, nurse a Duke's ball and, and get it to reverse after about 20-25 overs, particularly if you're if you're playing on an abrasive surface. You can't do the same thing equally with the kookaburra ball because it pretty much abrades on both sides fairly fast. And no matter how hard you polish, uh, uh, did you notice that in the first test, while the ritual polishing was going on, people weren't working on the ball the same way that uh, you would if it was a deuce. Uh Also, if you go back to last year, I think there is one interview that Bowie gave somebody where he says he hates bowling with the kookaburra because after 30, nothing happens. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's about... 20 different factors that are coming into play uh, at any period of uh, of a test match. And these things keep constantly changing. So it's it's actually a mental game as much as it is a, a, a as as much as it is a physical game. And uh, some of these things we have reduced to catchphrases and, and uh, we then buy our own catchphrases and, and we never pause to think about what it actually means. Uh, Ahmed, sorry, uh, let me just uh, go back with one more question on Pujara because he's been the focal point since Ravi Shastri, you know, took over coaching. Uh, you know, there was a brilliant article uh, after this first uh, defeat by Siddharth Monga. I'm sure Prem and Ahmed, you both have read. And uh, and it was about intent and where does that leave Pujara. It's not hard to decipher. Even the Kohli did not mention Pujara. And uh, if, uh, you know, Monga is uh, writing, I'm sure Pujara is aware how does it extra? How does it add an extra layer of pressure if your captain, without saying your name, is singled you out? And you know there's an important game coming up. And uh, do you feel extra pressure uh, to prove a point, or do you feel you are on a shorter leash than some of the other teammates? Uh, what's the mindset? Are cricketers, you know, immune to this, or this? Well, plays I'm a role? guessing that there is uh, the the will be uh, the will be pressure uh, when something like that happens. You uh, you are part of a. Uh, you know, comprehensive team collapse, but somehow it's your play that is kind of singled out. Uh, I think the singling out comes from the uh, from the obvious point that uh, Pujara is the outlier in this team. Uh, you know, the, this team is supposed to be about aggression, about attitude, about all sorts of things. And Pujara is a very quiet, self-contained. Uh, he 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 plays he plays uh, an almost classical style of Test cricket for which. This current Indian dispensation doesn't seem to have too much time. I'm guessing he would be under pressure, but I'm equally guessing that as an international sports person, he 
he he has or should have the ability to shrug it off and and uh, you know play his uh, sort of uh, natural game and and this is not uh, uh, particularly new by the way uh, singling out players for uh, you know outcomes has been pretty much standard uh, across the board for for at least as long as I've been writing about uh, uh, cricket and that 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 dates back to the uh, mid nineties. You've always had a tendency to point at one or two players and say, you know, that guy should have done better. At the same time, we talk about how cricket is a team game. That's the other thing, right? I mean, you talk about playing with intent, you talk about a team game. One of the things that is not uh, often appreciated about uh, test cricket is that it is a case of two people playing against one person. You have a bowler and the two batsmen are supposed to play as a partnership. Uh Look at how we played in the first uh, innings of the first test. There was almost no uh, attempt to roll the strike over uh, when the opening partnership was on. Then what's the point of having a left-right combination? The the advantage of a left-right combination is that uh, the bowler is constantly having to readjust his line. So he can't settle into that muscle memory, that, that groove uh, when that happens. But if uh, you know the left-hander is going to be stuck at his end of the pitch and vice versa, uh, for, a, for a period of play, uh, you're really not going to be cashing in on that advantage. So the, all these little things that come into play and, and uh, we try to reduce it to some kind of formula and, and pick on one talking point. Uh, my opinion, it, it is counterproductive. But it's also about the matches, Prem, right? Because uh, you have, there's so much data and information around that, you know, even fans like myself, you know, can present a question. So if uh, left-right uh, combination is good, but then so you have to also factor in the success of Philander and Morkel against the left-handers. Uh, how was that overlooked? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you have to, but uh, then you play your uh, your best personnel for the conditions. Um, Philander and Morkel have been successful against left-handers. In fact, uh, Stain is not bad against left-handers either when you come to think of it. And uh, neither is Rabada. So you've got you've got uh, four bowlers who are all capable of, of uh, doing this. It then goes back to if you have the right left-hander, you pick him. You don't pick a guy just because he's a left-hander. Uh, in this case, you don't have the right left-hander because sorry, uh, I've... I've uh, what's Darwin for almost all his career and the problem that he has against that short lifting delivery into the body if it is uh, if he's given width he's great he'll he'll uppercut you he'll flay you over point he uh, loves it when he has width to free his arms and stuff like that but when he's cramped for room he looks extremely awkward and uh, he tends to fend the ball away more than actually play it away and and that's not that's not something new uh, it's also why I said right at the beginning that when I uh, when I was uh, you know on my blog picking the team for the first test, I didn't have Dhawan in it. The only reason I would have him is if uh, for some reason one of the other two openers was injured, uh, which wasn't the case here, by the way. So uh, just having a left-hand batsman is not going to help. Uh, having a left-hand batsman who can cope with the conditions would help. And, um, you know, in this day and age, there's also a challenge of uh, balancing across the formats. Uh, what probably is an advantage now for a guy like Pujara or even Cook that they're only playing one format so they can focus on it? 
is you think is that the undoing of a rahane or even a rohit sharma because they just can't seem to fit in all the formats rohit i think uh, you know one of the consistent comments that has been made about rohit is that he he has it all he has the game he has an enormous amount of time to see the ball he he somehow uh, in fact i remember making that point on twitter uh, i think in the first innings that one of the things you notice is that uh, rohit somehow seems to be in position well before the ball gets to him unlike the others who have to scramble against pace the one thing that that has always been a negative in rohit's case is that for some weird reason his mind seems to wander off uh his, he focuses but he focuses for much shorter periods and then there'll be this this moment of madness or uh, this moment when his his head goes walk about and and uh, he suddenly looks very ordinary uh he works perfectly in the limited uh, format because he really doesn't have to think too much it's it's about maximizing every single ball and he's got every shot in the book uh rahane on the other hand i actually have a lot of room for rahane i think he's he's probably the best uh reader of the game in this current indian side uh way ahead of even uh virat uh, not to go back to the uh you know late home season but uh you saw that when rahane led the side for instance uh, he was constantly thinking ahead he had he had a good sense of uh, getting ahead of the game which is one of the things that you have to do in test matches uh, and he also had a good sense of his personal uh, personal game yeah he's 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 had a bad run of uh, form at home but you know who that reminds me of is vivias lakshman uh he was never uh, except for 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 that uh, landmark innings that he and dravid played against uh, australia we had very little use for him in india because you had a lot of uh, batsmen who scored a lot of runs in indian conditions you went abroad you wanted the comfort of having lakshman in the side for me rahane is pretty much the same thing I, i'm not saying that he's a lakshman but what he is he's good um, he does have the capability to uh, to bat in uh test matches and to bat according to the conditions and uh, he has the game for it so i think for that experience for the fact that he knows south african conditions and he knows how to bat over there i would have he would have been my uh choice even for the first test i don't think his lack of form in in uh recent times in india is, is that much of an issue so yeah coming back to you know rahane's game mm-hmm. a lot of it is preparation also do we miss rahul dravid and his ability to play with a tennis ball play with a wet ball play on concrete pitches play without a helmet you know that kind of effort to prepare for a single bowler or to prepare for a set of conditions uh, is the team missing that uh, well frankly uh I I wouldn't make that comparison for the, for two reasons one uh, the most important reason is that the current team also does all this in fact uh, all these things like you know uh, playing wet ball on concrete pitches playing of uh, uh, having the bowler bowl to you of uh, 18 yards instead of the uh, regular 22 uh, deliberately having the ball bounce at you all of this has become standard part of practice and uh, pretty much all the international players do it anyways the indian team definitely does uh that is not so much of an issue look uh, guys like rahul uh, are sui generis i mean they they bring a natural aptitude for work uh, to a natural talent and ability 
um, the current team also has that, but in, in different ways. So you can't really do a like-for-like comparison between Rahul and, and uh, Rahane. Uh, Rahane has his own game. He knows his game. And, and it's not so much about playing like Rahul, uh, e- even for Pujara, for instance. It's not really uh, batting like Rahul Dravid. Pujara doesn't. Uh, we just, we just uh, do a like-for-like comparison and say Pujara is the new uh, Dravid or Pujara is the new wall or whatever. Uh, he has his different game. It's not about uh, it's not about missing a Rahul Dravid type. You, obviously, you're going to miss. I mean, that's that's tantamount to saying we miss Sachin Tendulkar. Some players are so good and so influential that uh, you are going to miss them when they're not around. No point in thinking about that. I think it's more a case of understanding what Rahane's game is and how he fits into the team matrix in different uh, forms. Uh, the team has clearly decided that it has very little use for a Rahane or a Pujara in, in one day years. Uh, Rahane at least keeps getting switched on and switched off. Pujara is, uh, doesn't play one day years at all, uh, which is fine. I mean, that's your reading of the game and, and, and of what is required in a particular format. But as far as tests are concerned, I think these are the two names that you pencil in right in the beginning. Uh, they are the batsmen who can, who can take some of the load off of uh, Virat uh, and ensure that uh, you know he can he can play without the kind of pressures uh, that he is currently under with this team. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, what do you expect at Centurion? South Africa has been pretty dominant. I think uh, they have you know routed I think New Zealand and England. Uh, you know in the last two Test matches at the venue, and India hasn't played here since uh, Tendulkar and Dravid toured in the 2010 uh, year end. You know. Uh, Series and that too, South Africa won by an ending defeat. So, uh, what are your expectations uh, with no stain? Uh, you think this is still a very relentless uh, bowling yeah. attack? I'm, or I'm, I'm presuming that they will. They have uh, a sufficient bench strength of uh, quality fast bowlers. Yeah, it's not easy to replace stain in that sense, but you don't have to. Uh, you can bring in. There are other quicks around. They probably, uh, you know, I'd I'd, I'd probably uh, think first of. Somebody like a Chris Morris, for instance, because he also brings uh, the batting element uh, to his game. He's also quick. Uh, he gets he gets a lot of bombs. Centurion hasn't, if I remember correctly, hosted a test since 2016. That series against England, and then uh, followed by New Zealand, which is also where you first uh, realize just how lethal uh, Rabada could be. Uh, I think the Centurion test against England in January of 2016 was when Rabada took 13 in innings. That is certainly the first time I really took a long, hard look at uh, this young, new uh, bowler. I think the problem is if you haven't staged test cricket at that venue for a long time, you're not quite sure what kind of pitch you're going to get. But Centurion has historically been about bounce, considerably more than Newlands, for instance. Uh, Again, I haven't looked at the stats, but I, I bet a lot of money that if you uh, went back to Stats Guru or something and you looked for the top, let's say, 15, maybe even 20 bowling performances, I don't think you would find a single spinner on that list. I think it would be all about pace bowlers, both the uh, South African ones and the visiting fast bowlers who have done well over there. Um, so, yeah, I would expect South Africa will... Uh, want the pitch to to play as it usually does, which means pace, it means bounce. Um, Centurion, again, as I recall, tends to sort of break up a little bit after 
three days in the sun. So uh, towards the fourth and fifth days, you're likely to find a bit of dusting up, maybe even uh, crack surfacing. That's also why I have Ravi Jadeja uh, ahead of Ashwin in this side. It's not just a batting element. I think uh, one of the things about Jadeja is that the way he bowls, he pretty much is equally effective in the first innings as he is in the second. Uh, he does not really require assist- as much assistance from the pitch as uh, some of the other spinners going around. Um, so, yeah, I would I would imagine that it's going to be patient. Now, that's also the reason why I have Umesh and Nishant in the side. Both of them are quick. Both of them are tall. And they are when they want to, they hit the deck bowlers. And when they hit the deck, they really make the ball stand up uh, even off of uh, length. So you probably want that kind of bowling in your side. Um, what do I expect overall? I don't know. It's going to be incredibly tough for the team. Uh, One thing we haven't discussed is the South African batting. Do you think against a determined Indian pace attack with Ishan, Umesh, um, and Shami going decently, do you think they're brittle and do you think they're vulnerable? Because uh, they haven't really faced a test uh, in, in the first test, not really a huge test. Well, I it, think they have. They came away with it. Sorry, yeah, I think they have their own vulnerabilities. I mean, for me, if if uh, the Indi- if you're looking at the Indian bowling, it would be probably Umesh and Bubi uh, with the new ball uh, with Ishant uh, coming in at first change, and and uh, since I have him on the side, Pandya coming in at second change. But uh, to go back to the South African batting. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, they are vulnerable. If you if you look at Dean Elgar, for instance, he had a brilliant twenty seventeen, but he is uh, he's clearly uh, struggling with some problems here. It's not it's not that he got out cheaply in both innings in uh, Newlands. It's that he didn't look the uh, part of a of a player in form. Uh, Markram is lovely to watch. But he's still new to his role or relatively new to his role and he's settling in. So there is that uh, uncertainty to play on. Then you look at the uh, middle-order batsmen and uh, a lot of them are coming back from layoffs for illness, injury, all of that. Faf, for instance, AB, uh, you know, played brilliantly at Newlands, particularly in the first innings. But AB is still coming back from a long layoff and therefore can be susceptible to, uh, to pressure. Uh, Faf is coming back from a, from an illness uh, layoff, and uh, he did look decent in the first innings. He's he's still not on top of the game. You have managed to put some pressure on Quinton de Kock. Uh, you haven't allowed them to get away the way he usually does. So yeah, pretty much right from the opening combination onwards, there are vulnerabilities. The question is, do you have the uh, firepower to expose and and exploit those vulnerabilities? Uh, that's going to be the question that India will need to think about. And, uh, and and I hate to keep going on and on about this. They really need to uh, to get their basics right where uh, slip catching is concerned. I mean, that was, if, if you had to pick one difference between the two sides, that was it. South Africa, barring Elgar, uh, they not only did, they made catches out of, out of half chances. But... Uh, we were actually playing the role of backstop 
uh, you know, we're getting behind the line of the ball and trying to stop it as opposed to uh, going forward and trying to catch it, particularly in the slips and gully. And, and uh, you're depriving your fast bowlers of, of their teeth when you do that. So I don't know. I mean, I I think that they, the, the team has had time to sort of mentally get a grip on things and 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 first test and and try and apply remedies. I think the outcome of Centurion is going to depend on two things. One is how they uh, pick the team and what they pick the various uh, players for, and uh, B how they transition from the sort of uh, one day-ish mode that they have been in into playing real test cricket. I think Shakib made the point much earlier about, you know, test cricket sometimes you it's, you have to grit it out. There are, uh, there are sessions that are not going to go for you. There are passages in play that, that are just not going to work for you and you just have to tough it out during those times. Uh, you can't say, look, this is not going, so I'm going after the bowlers. It's uh, it's a high-risk, low-yield strategy more often than not. So there's a whole number of, of, of things that I'm not, you know, I can't quite see my way through. So it's not like, yeah, okay, in Centurion, we have this chance. Uh, we do have a chance to come back. One thing that Newlands has proved is that South Africa is vulnerable. In fact, this is not the first time. South Africa has... has had this problem with India before. They make these green tops and, and uh, you know, extremely uh, pace-oriented pitches and sometimes they get caught out on those same conditions. It's happened uh, the last two times that India has toured, at least once. So, yeah, we do have our chances. Uh, question? Yeah, okay, the people and... Uh, sorry. I, I, sorry. Uh, you know, this, this, this conversation could go on and on, but uh, just for the audience, I mean, you know, with your cricket knowledge, there's this always a, a new uh, discussion or even heated argument between fan bases across the world, especially subcontinent versus the rest of the world. And uh, this is where, you know, I think mostly India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan fans, you know, are, you know, on the same side, which is a rarity. But uh, is every green top a bad wicket and same is every... Uh, wicket that spin is it a rank turner or what is a balance what are we why is this such a debate now because every team is just holding serve at home and uh, everybody has become an ordinary bad traveler so where do we draw a line how do we educate our fans and ourselves what is a good I, pitch the irony is that I, I i really don't see what the point of that uh, particular debate is test cricket is supposed to be i mean there's a reason you call it test cricket one of the reasons is that it it does test you in all kinds of conditions uh if you say that a green top is is uh, dodgy, what you're actually saying is that you're not you're not capable of playing on on fast uh, bouncy wickets. Well, it's up to you to learn how to play that. Just as it's up to uh, you know the the uh, non subcontinental nations, uh, Australia, England, South Africa, etc., to uh, come to the subcontinent and to learn how to play on our pitches, whether uh, whether ball is uh, mostly waist high or lower weather is turned pretty much from the first ball that you bowl in a test match where it's absolutely normal to see an off spinner uh, using the new ball ahead of your uh, fast bowlers. Uh, they need to come here and learn how to play those uh, uh, those kind of conditions. And, and, and by the same token, we need to uh, learn how to play, uh, play away from home. I mean, uh, early in the conversation, you brought up the uh, Pakistan team, for instance. One of the things that was also noticeable about uh, Imran's Pakistan is that uh, they were equally good in England. They were good in Australia. 
uh, they toured wherever they had they had the pace battery yes but they also had the batsman uh, you know it didn't it didn't matter whether the uh, wicket was uh, swinging and seeming like in england or bouncing like in australia uh, they knew how to cope so if we have lost the skills to travel if we have lost the skills to play in all kinds of conditions there's no point in saying that uh, in fact uh, since you're talking about this debate i saw something about uh, whether the icc should have some kind of neutral curators and kind of standardize the pitches what are you doing you're taking the fun out of test cricket really uh if 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 you had standard pitches which somehow struck a wire media between what you get in india and what you get in south africa for instance uh then the test matches would pretty much start resembling one another we have enough problems without you know uh making a cookie cutter uh concept out of your pitches i think that's a remarkable point you make and i hadn't thought about it in this uh, in this manner that is truly a remarkable point you make that uh, teams have traveled and traveled well in the past the west indies also did the same thing uh, it, it is a remarkable point you make and i think that's that's very very true that it's up to the teams to you know send the youngsters too i think some some of the teams have learned that you can send the younger people to uh, on tours and that's that's a super point you're making yeah i mean which is which is why uh, a couple of things uh, instead of debating whether all countries need to have uh, pitches that adhere to certain basic minimal standards um i think the debate should be just as we have these test tours and and uh, home and away series and all that should we be equally rigorous about having those kind of home and away series at the same kind of frequency for your age limit cricket because these are the kids who are going to come in i mean pretty much all the all the members of or most of the members of the current team uh did make their mark in age limit uh, uh cricket and that is where they they caught the eye uh but if you want to have that feeder you really need we, at the start of every tour we keep talking about whether players have experience in these foreign conditions where is that experience going to come from uh it has to come from your age limit tours so uh either uh, either an age limit india uh under 21 uh team or or even an india a team that is constantly touring and playing age group cricket would do far more towards this this correcting this imbalance of being able to play well at home and not so well away than uh you know tinkering with pitches i think i think we identify problems well but when it comes to solving them uh we somehow managed to pick the one uh, wrong solution out of the many options that are available to us this is, this is just one example and then there's also uh, prem a, a phenomena that's been overlooked and it's become you know an accepted trend is uh, most top players especially you know if we look at our guys they don't play they don't have time to play domestic cricket you know back in the day when someone was dropped i remember when sachin and azhar you know the the you know That, that issue was going on and india went to australia and sachin's captaincy in 99 azhar was scoring double tons in the leap trophy now you don't see that kohli would never play ashwin in a four day match i mean that's something that's just done and dusted and we accepted that and i think that probably is a worldwide phenomena more yeah, so it's in not india. just uh, azhar either i mean uh, one of one of, one of the things that you might want to think about is that ahead of that uh, you know fantastic series that he had against uh, the australians at home uh vivas was actually dropped and he went to uh, domestic and scored uh, triple hundreds for fun uh we don't we don't pay enough uh look at the australian team and the south african team for instance they, those guys make their bones in the domestic uh, uh tournaments those tournaments are almost 
sometimes those tournaments are even more competitive than some of the test matches they actually end up uh, getting to play so yeah it's 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 an ecosystem thing there are many many uh, things that uh, you know we don't uh, take into account when we consider how our team is being built and how it's playing in various conditions we don't look at uh, the domestic we don't look at uh, uh, age group uh, cricket we don't take that as seriously as we should uh, we don't look at blooding players for instance i remember this discussion with a friend of mine about you know uh, bumrah is talented why do you say that he shouldn't play in the first test and i was saying i, I wasn't saying that he shouldn't be picked in the team uh, sometimes it's wonderful for a young talented player to uh, be part of the team to to uh, uh, to be in the dressing room uh, say for the first test see how uh, planning work see how the bowlers go about their job and stuff like that and then you bring him in maybe in the second test maybe in the third you don't actually start a key series blooding a kid who's never played test cricket before uh and and who by the way hasn't played too much of uh, domestic either uh, in the previous year so it, it, it's it's you know if, if you had to sum it up you would say that the, that the people who run uh, indian cricket and this is not just the captain and the coach this is up to the entire establishment don't really think in the round and don't really think of what it takes to succeed in the various forms of the game uh don't set it up for the team to uh, to do well they're quite content with the fact that every time india turns up it doesn't matter who you're turning up against you're making a lot of money I think we can end on that note because uh, we want you to come back to this podcast and we don't want to extract you know all the knowledge at once but I think once Bradman said right uh, the sport lost some of its character and charm the moment it became a business and I think uh, sadly I think our board sometimes exemplifies that to its uh, to an extent yes I mean I'm 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 actually uh, quite happy that the board is making money I'm happy that uh, some of that money at least not enough but uh, at least better than it used to be is percolating to domestic so people can actually think of cricket as a career now uh, part of it is is the money the board is making part of it is the IPL you know that even if you can't make it to the national team you do have uh, if if you if you really focus on cricket enough you can make a good living out of it uh the thing is having got all the money having got uh you know this this this, this windfall maybe a little bit of application of mind and you would spend at least part of that money realizing that it's like any other industry the better uh, the more you iterate on the product and the more you uh, improve the product the more money you make which is the one last mile thinking that that uh, i would think the indian board consistently uh, fails at Uh, fair enough, Emma. Are we in agreement? Uh, uh, do you have another question, or before you know, we can wrap this uh, great talk? Oh, we're done. It's great. Oh, it is. I mean, it's very informational, educational. We learned quite a few things, Prem. I mean, as articulate as you know, your blog and tweets are. This was phenomenal. I hope everyone who listens to this, uh, you know, enjoys and takes away some of the finer points you made. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, here's to Centurion. I hope the team does well. Same here. Thanks for listening everyone.